Welcome back to my podcast, Great Stories About Great Storytellers. I'm author Randy Overbeck, and many readers have told me that my Haunted Chores mysteries would make great movies. <laughs> yeah, from their lips to the ears of some movie maker. Steven Spielberg, are you listening? Still, I start with this bit of information because this episode will examine the story of a movie maker who also happens to be one of the greatest storytellers of the 20th century, Walt Disney. Today, the word Disney is synonymous with entertainment, family fun, and incredible financial success. With groundbreaking live and animated film projects, world-famous amusement parks, one of the most popular streaming services around, not to mention a top-tier cruise company, Disney has become a money-making juggernaut. Now, with the recent monster additions to the Disney brand of Pixar, Marvel, and Star Wars, Disney has become the most successful entertainment company on the planet. The man and mind behind all this is, of course, the legendary storyteller Walt Disney. His imagination has given us his version of timeless tales like Sleeping Beauty, 101 Dalmatians, and Mary Poppins. Walt Disney received 59 Academy Award nominations and won an incredible 22 Oscars, both of which are all-time records. Several of his movies are included in the U.S. National Film Registry by the Library of Congress, and two of his movies, Snow White and the Seven Dwarfs and Fantasia, have earned ranking in the American Film Institute's 100 Greatest American Films. In his storytelling, Walt Disney invented many firsts. For example, he was among the first to combine live action with animation in the 1954 The Three Caballeros. He was also a pioneer in the field of television and one of the, one of the first to present full-color programming in 1961 with his wonderful world of color. I'm old enough to remember the excitement of going over to a neighbor's house who had a color TV, we couldn't afford one, and sitting around on their living room floor with all the neighbors watching this tiny 14-inch television screen and marveling at the colors. It would be hard to exaggerate the impact Walt Disney has had on animation, film editing, filmmaking, and creative storytelling. And as Walt likes to say, it all started with a little mouse. But that's not exactly right. Walt, 1901 to 1966, was raised in Missouri where he performed a range of jobs, including uh, even a newspaper delivery boy. During World War I, like other young men at the time, Walt wanted to fight, but was turned down because he was too young to join the Army. After that, he lied about his age, and the Red Cross brought him on board to drive ambulances in Europe. An interesting note, Walt's ambulance, rather than being wrapped in, wrapped in stock camouflage, as was standard, was covered stem to stern with drawings and cartoons. You see, Walt loved to draw. He had done it since he was little, and he was pretty good. He drew cartoons for his high school newspaper and even attended the Art Institute of Chicago. So after the war, when he returned to Kansas City, thanks to his brother Roy, Walt got a job creating ads for newspapers, magazines, and cinemas. 
Then, at the tender age of 21, Walt and his brother Roy started their own animation studio called Laughagram Films, where he produced animated shorts of popular short stories. It seemed like a great idea. The only problem was the films ended up costing more to make than the company was ever able to earn. Two years later, his studio went bankrupt, and Walt and his brother Roy moved to Hollywood with only $40 and two completed films, one animated, one live action. After considerable door knocking there, he, he was hired by Margaret Winkle to produce nine short films similar to the animated shorts he started in Missouri. Next, he created Oswald the Lucky Rabbit cartoons, which were picked up and distributed by Universal Pictures. They became a big hit. The company wanted more of the Oswald cartoons, but asked Walt to produce them at a lower salary. They could do this because Universal, not Walt, owned the rights to Oswald. So Walt learned an important lesson and said goodbye to his rabbit. Walt's creativity went back to work, and shortly afterwards, collaborating with his partner, Ub Iwerks, he developed a new character, which he called Mortimer Mouse. Rumor has it that this cartoon character is actually based on a pet mouse Walt had kept at Laughagram Studios in Kansas City. Walt's wife, Lillian, argued that Mortimer sounded too stuffy, and she suggested Mickey, and the name stuck. But Mortimer, now Mickey, was hardly an instant success attracting little interest or attention when it was first released in two short silent films. It wasn't until sound was added for a new short called Steamboat Willie, with Walt providing Mickey's voice no less, that Mickey Mouse became a hit. And he began to have success at, 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 with Mickey and his friends, Walt's creativity headed in a new direction. He decided to expand his studio operations to include a training school to develop a new generation of artists. This was a brand new idea at the time. But he had his eyes on much bigger goals. No longer satisfied with shorts, Walt had the radical idea of developing a feature-length animated film. Like many other of Walt's inspirations, this was either groundbreaking or idiotic, depending on your perspective. And this one nearly cost Walt Disney everything. After a word from this episode's sponsor, Bedside Reading, I'll share the surprising part of Walt's story. If you haven't heard of Bedside Reading, now is the time. They specialize in out-of-the-box book marketing. They believe readers want to discover new authors and great books. Here's what they do. They place books where they are visible and accessible to the readers at five-star hotels, in the media, and at events. Want to join them? It's easy. Go to Bedside Reading and click the Apply button. Now, back to the Disney story. As I mentioned, Walt's idea was to create a full-length animated film to do his storytelling, and he chose the tale of Snow White and the Seven Dwarfs. Today, it's impossible for us to appreciate the chutzpah of this gamble. For decades, decades now, movie viewers have been surrounded by animated films. 
produced by Disney and many others, so it's hard to conceive of the reality facing Walt Disney in 1935. Before Walt, no one had ever done a full-length animated feature film, and many in the business thought the whole idea preposterous. Did Walt have any idea how many cells or drawings it would take to make a full-length movie? A quarter million, by the way, each one hand-drawn. Would anyone even be willing to sit through a 90-minute cartoon? Did Walt have any idea how much it would cost? As it turns out, he didn't. Did he realize that his cartoon film would have to compete at the box office with blockbusters like A Day at the Races with the Marx Brothers, Topper with Cary Grant, and Robin Hood with Errol Flynn? Executives in the movie industry called the project Disney's Follies and predicted it would bankrupt the company. And they were almost right. His brother Roy, the money man behind the company, tried to talk him out of it, and even Lillian, Walt's wife, wanted him to forget the whole thing. But Walt persisted. He started with the original grim fairy tale and then did what became the blueprint for his later animated movies. He used the basic story, but provided his own twist on it. For example, the original story merely mentions the seven dwarfs, but didn't give them any names or personalities. The seven dwarfs we've come to love, Dopey, Doc, Grumpy, Sleepy, and the rest, were all Disney. Walt understood he could tell a better story fleshing out these characters and could use them to give the dark tale some levity. But still, the project turned out to be a gigantic undertaking. To produce the film, more than 750 artists most of whom were only newspaper cartoonists and had never done real cartoon drawings, completed an astounding two million sketches for the production. The cost of this work was staggering, and Walt's predictions were way off. Instead of the 250000 he had estimated, the cost for the film ran to nearly $1.5 million dollars. That would be $30 million in today's money. The young company did not have that kind of cash. Walt had to mortgage his house to raise funds and found they were still short. In the end, he had to get an additional loan of $250,000 from Bank of America just to finish the film. What an incredible risk. Walt was gambling at all. Of course, we know Walt was right all along. When Snow White and the Seven Dwarfs premiered in 1937, it became a critical and commercial success. The movie won an Academy Award for the music and a special honorary Oscar for which Walt received a full-size gold statuette and seven tiny Oscars. Most important, though, it set records at the box office with international earnings of $8 million dollars from its initial release. That would translate into $160 million today. The film remained so popular, Disney re-released it numerous times over the years until the 1990s, making it one of the top 10 performers 
in the North American box office and the top earner of all animated films. Even with all of the success, the storyteller's problems were far from over. Walt Studio next created two classics, Fantasia and Pinocchio, but neither performed well at the box office, due primarily to the onset of World War II, and the studio suffered losses on both. Roy had to take the company public to raise funds. And then this was followed by an animator strike in 1941, which put the company in further peril. But Walt never lost hope. In fact, he was only beginning. His studio would go on to produce 78 more movies during his lifetime, including such classics as Bambi, Cinderella, and Mary Poppins. And I haven't even mentioned his idea of a new type of amusement park with the creation of Disneyland, then later Disney World. As Walt said, all our dreams can come true if we have the courage to pursue them. Writers and storytellers of all kind can learn from Walt's life. He never gave up despite whatever life threw at him. If we have the courage of our beliefs, we too can achieve our dreams. As I mentioned at the start, readers have found my Haunted Shore mysteries quite cinematic. I can really picture the scenery and the action like it was a movie, they've often told me. The newest entry in the series, Scarlet at Crystal River, takes readers to a beautiful resort on the Gulf Coast of Florida, lets them swim with manatees, helps them find justice for two murdered children, all the while, all the while readers get to fall in love again. For more details and buy links for this and other titles in the series, check out my website, www.authorrandyoverbeck.com. Thanks for listening. You're not going to want to miss the next episode about the famous author who invented the detective story and is known as the father of the short story, Edgar Allan Poe. Until next time, keep reading those great stories.